All right, hello again. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Luke chapter 11. We're going to be in Luke 11 tonight. Um, and before we get on with that, it is a new year, and so I want to just address uh, kind of a housekeeping issue for us as a church. We do have a new budget we're headed into for the new year, and we don't have all the information about that. I will say just a couple of things and then just let you know we're going to talk more about the budget in the next few weeks. Uh, one thing is we brought in more money than we asked you to give last year, so I just want to say thank you for that. I appreciate your generosity, and that has been, yeah, give yourselves a hand. That has been uh, what's happened every year. We're about to turn 10 years old as a church, so I feel like we're kind of like growing up. Is that, does that mean we're a grown-up church now, 10 years old? Um, so we're about to turn 10 as a church, and you guys have given more than we've asked for every year, so I appreciate that generosity. Um, our general plans, just to kind of give you a thumbnail sketch for the next year, is we're going to try to um, reach more people for Jesus and spend more money in the process. So that's kind of what we're planning on. <laughs> we'll give you more details in the next couple of weeks, but, but that's kind of where we're headed as a church. And a lot of you know already, we're looking at some building expansion and some other things like that, that there's just a lot of plates spinning right now. So as we shift to what the topic is about, it's pray. Um, I wanted to start our New Year's off with this. This has always been our strategic plan as a church, um, is that God would move and we'd be obedient to what he's doing. Um, so we have these different core practices and stuff we're about. You know, we say, well, what God asks us to do ministry-wise is he asks us to teach the Bible, to gather people in community, and um, to try to take the scriptures across the world to other people, and just, you know, all these little things we do, kind of lanes, you might say. Um, when we early on started the strategic planning as a church, we would have these lanes, kind of like they do in the military, because the military guy, one of our deacons helped us do this, right? We had this rainbow, you know the rainbow chart thing they do in the military for strategic planning? Have you ever seen that before, some of you? Yes? No? Some of you? Okay. Well, anyway, there are these different lines, right? Lines of effort, lanes of effort, something like that. I don't know the right terms for it. Right, we said we're going to be out preaching and small groups and authentic worship and global outreach and you know just all these different things we list out. These are the things we're, we're going to pour our time into. And what we did when we first started that was we had one giant line that went over all the others, this giant lane that overlapped all the other lanes, and that was prayer. We said, bottom line, none of this other stuff is going to work unless we pray. Um, so this kind of makes me nervous as a pastor, like all these new things are happening, like way faster than I can keep up with. Um, just reminding me I'm not in control, right? And, and we need God to, to make ministry happen at Grace Bible Church. That's, that's what he's done, and that's our prayer that he will continue to do that. So we're going to talk about prayer today. We're going to be in Luke 11, um, and then to kind of give you where we're headed preaching-wise the next few months, we're going to be in Luke and the book of Acts over the next several months. I'd said before we are going to do Romans. We're going to now bump Romans a little longer and, and start Romans in the fall. Uh, but kind of January through May, we're going to be in Luke and the book of Acts and just looking at portraits of Jesus. Next few weeks, it'll be more calendar stuff, like just talking about prayer because it's a new year. Uh, but then we'll get into Luke, get into Acts, which was also written by Luke, and just march through uh, portraits of Jesus, who Jesus is. I think we're going to call that series Meet Jesus. We're going to start that in a few weeks. Um, but my prayer for us is that we would just make that central this spring with all the other stuff that's going on, all the other things spinning around, that we would be a place uh, we're inviting people to consider Jesus, and so that's where we're headed. Um, today, it's Luke 11. We're going to read verses 1 through 13, looking at uh, Jesus' words about prayer. This is one of the two places where we have what's called the Lord's Prayer. A lot of you might have grown up uh, reciting this. Um, I went to a, an Episcopal church when I was a preschooler, so just long enough to memorize this as a little, little bitty one. 
Um, and then uh, when we played football games, depending on the coach, sometimes we would recite the Lord's Prayer. So that's my experience with the Lord's Prayer. I don't know what yours is, uh, but it's in Scripture. It's a good prayer. And Jesus says this is a model for us to learn how to pray. So Luke 11, 1 through 13. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who's indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. He said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, don't bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you that he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He starts with addressing God as Father. He ends with, he's a good father. I don't know about your father, because he says earthly fathers are generally evil, but God's a really good father. And so he starts with that, he ends with that. Uh, He says our attitude towards prayer and towards God should be one of generosity. God's generous. He's gracious towards us. I'm echoing here. Sorry. All right. Well, let me pray for us, and uh, we'll ask God to teach us this tonight. Let me pray. God, we do ask that you would help us. We thank you that you teach us, that you give us your word. We thank you that you love us and that your posture towards us is one of grace, and we see that most clearly through the cross, but We see that also here through this uh, description of prayer, this teaching on prayer, that we are to come to you as a child that believes our Father is generous and kind. So we pray that you would ask us, or that you would help us to ask you in that way, that you would be with us and meet us here and uh, walk alongside us. Pray that your Spirit would meet us, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the, the Lord's Prayer... Uh, was featured in an advertisement recently. I don't know if you saw this in the news. I don't remember when the story first came out, but like maybe a month or two ago, it was about the Star Wars movie, The Force Awakens, right? So the new Star Wars movie just came out. Everybody's excited about it. And in England, the Church of England was going to have basically a commercial for prayer before the Star Wars movie. It was a real cool commercial. It was basically just like random, diverse people, you know, different backgrounds, different genders, just reciting part of the Lord's Prayer. And that was just going to run before Force Awakens, and it was just going to have a little tagline at the end that says, prayer is for everyone. Sounds like a really cool idea. You know, you're like, way to go, Church of England, cool idea. But they banned the commercial. Uh, The folks in charge, whoever's in charge of that in England, decided, no, that's going to be too offensive because there's going to be people that can't stand to hear those words before the movie or it might upset them or something. And so a lot of Christians were kind of freaked out and offended that other people were worried about offending people by reading the Lord's Prayer. You know, so it was this whole cultural thing, and I'm sure there was a lot of rock throwing on Facebook about it. Um, And it was really interesting. They actually interviewed Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia, about it. They asked her what she thought, and she was like, man, they just need to get over it. It's not that big deal. You know, like, why why are people being offended by the Lord's Prayer? And she's not even really a believer, right? She's not, like, 
on the Church of England side necessarily. She just thinks it's no big deal. Um, But what was interesting is that a Christian blogger wrote an article about it and said, well, it actually is offensive, right? And I thought that was a really interesting take because, I mean, I'm not offended by the Lord's Prayer. I love the Lord's Prayer. I want to learn from the Lord's Prayer because I honor Scripture. But his point was, it is offensive. You know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be so desensitized to it that we think it just makes sense. I mean, if you don't believe in God, that's offensive, right? If you don't believe in God, it's offensive someone saying that God is real. I mean, if you don't believe in God, God's one of the most threatening people you could imagine, right? Because he wants you to change your life and he wants to tell you what to do with your life. And so there is a sense, again, not, I'm not saying it should have been banned, but I'm just saying there is a sense when it really is offensive. And we need to not be desensitized to the amazing claims that Jesus is making here, that God is God, that he exists, that we should ask him for help, that he should rule our lives, that he's gracious and kind, right? A non-believer believes God doesn't exist, and if he does, he's capricious and hateful. You know, I mean, so we have to really recognize that these are really strong claims that we're making. Um, These are really radical things that we're saying when we pray these words, and allow ourselves to hear them with fresh perspective. What does this look like to someone that maybe has not heard this before, maybe someone that didn't grow up reciting it in preschool like I did, but someone who's never heard these words before? What does it mean? The first thing I want us to kind of meditate on is that we should pray these words. He's, he's actually given us a prayer to pray. You might have done this with your kids. If you have kids, uh, we had the, one of the prayers we would do before dinner is, God is great. God is good. Thank you, God, for this food. You, you, y'all ever pray that one? You know, there's these different little memorized prayers. It's now I lay me down to sleep at night. You know, there's these kind of memorized prayers you teach kids. And, and when you do that, you're not saying, and don't you ever dare pray another prayer besides this memorized one, right? I mean, that's not what you're saying. You're just, you're just giving them some words to say. You're help, helping them along. It's training wheels in prayer. And so Jesus is, to some extent, giving some training wheels here saying, okay, here, here's a way to pray. Disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray. He gives us some words to pray. And we need to not miss that. Um, I think the reason it might be easy for us to miss that is because we are uh, culturally, our church is on the informal side of the spectrum, right? So there's more formal Christians that do more ritualistic things, and then there's Christians that do things that are less ritual, less formal. And if you're new here, you may have already figured it out. We're, We're kind of on the less formal side of things. And less formal people can kind of condemn anything that looks really structured or formal. So we need to be careful not to go too far and say, you know, how dare you ever speak memorized prayers or written prayers? They can really, they can really be helpful. I'd encourage you to consider memorizing these words, memorizing these prayers. Before I go any further with that point, I've got some books on prayer that I wanted you to check out after the service. Since it is a new year, you can check these out and consider uh, these two have memorized prayers in them. So again, I know, casual church, that might be a little scary for you. Um, one is the Book of Common Prayer, Church of England, guys. I don't understand half of what's in this book. It's like you need a decoder to get it. Um, but there's also some good written prayers in here. And then this one is a little more easy to understand. This is called Valley of Vision. And Valley of Vision is a collection of Puritan prayers. Really beautiful poetry. Uh, so again, these two are, are kind of on the more literary end of the spectrum. If you're a reader of old books and you like old language and you, you know, you're kind of interested in that kind of thing, I think you might really enjoy these and I would recommend them to you. These other five, see the weight here on the casual side, these other five are modern language, a little more explanatory, helping us understand prayer 
in modern words, uh, and I would just recommend all these. These are mine, so please don't take them, but come flip through them and see if you want to buy one or order one. Uh, they're all really good. They've been really helpful to me. Um, so what I'd like us to understand is that it's, it's okay to memorize the words, and I would say that could even be a good um, kind of goal for 2016. You would memorize the Lord's Prayer. There's a slightly longer version of it in Matthew. Um, there's also kind of the, the classic version you'll find in the Book of Common Prayer if you grew up in a church that, that recites the Lord's Prayer uh, in a liturgical sense. Um, there's, there's a memorized prayer that you can memorize. If you struggle to know how to talk to God, here, here's a framework for you. I would say it's a great place to start. But again, don't hear me saying, that's the only way to pray. You know, only memorize. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, this is a good, these are good training wheels. This is a good place to start. This is scripture. Learn it. it. It's clear that Jesus wasn't saying this is the only place to pray or the only way to pray. Because there's two different versions even in the Bible, right? There's the version in Matthew and the version in Luke, and these seem to be different uh, occasions. These seem to be different times, and Jesus is using different words. That, that seems to be okay with Jesus. You could pray two different versions of this prayer. So I would start there. Um, and then I'd say take it uh, another step. I'm giving you a lot of homework for 2016. Another step would be to translate it yourself, like to actually make your own translation of the Lord's Prayer. I have a book here. Let's call it thesaurus. Any of you ever use these for term papers? Thesaurus. So your teacher says your writing is boring. You go to the thesaurus and you pull it out and you find the big words. I, I used to try to stump my teacher, right? Now that I'm a communicator, I work backwards and actually try to use the simplest words possible. But when I was a smart alecky teenager, I would try to use the biggest words possible and try to stump my teacher. And I would pull out the big thesaurus and you know try to find words that they, they didn't know. And um, it was like a little game I would play with them. But a thesaurus is a great tool flip it open, and it just gives you multiple other words for the same word, right? If you look up the word hallowed, or you look up the word kingdom, and it gives you like four or five other words that mean the same thing. So it could be a really fun tool, and it could help you to make your own translation. I would encourage you to, to do that, again, as a, as a way of deepening and understanding what Jesus is saying here. What's he actually saying here in the Lord's Prayer, writing your own version of it? So he's given us this pattern. This is a way to pray, what is he saying in the Lord's Prayer? I just want to look real quickly at the details. How are we doing on time? Okay, we're doing okay. First thing he says that I want to press is he says, Father, hallowed be your name. And I want to press on you that, that this is kind of talking about both sides of how we understand the character of God. That God is absolutely holy and majestic and huge, right? Hallowed, which is more like holy, uh, saintly, set apart hallowed be your name. May your name be great. May your name be important and weighty and have gravity to it. And then he's also saying address him as father. Only in Christianity and only through the gospel of Jesus can you know God in both ways simultaneously. Every other religion, and again, I, I'm, I know this is a big claim, so I'd love to talk to you about it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I've studied religion quite a bit. I, I study Christianity more now. You know, I used to study other religions. But my understanding is every religion veers off one side or the other of that track. Either God is super imminent or God is super unapproachable and big and scary. In Christianity, he's both. He's absolutely holy. Hallowed be your name. And he's close. Papa, Father. And so Jesus says, bring that into your prayer. Recognize that in your prayers. And then he says, another kind of pairing here, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread. So here he says, pray for these kinds of things. God, may your kingdom reign on earth. May your will be done on this earth, right? May your kingdom come. And can I have some bread today, Daddy? You know, just your daily needs. 
That's okay to pray for. Like, don't be so super spiritual that you don't pray for, you know, God, I need a new job. God, I need some bread. God, I need you to take care of my basic needs. We can ask God for those things, right? And we should also pray that God's will would be done, right? We see a world of injustice. We see people starving and we see people hurting. And we pray, God, would you bring your kingdom to bear in this world as well? So Jesus is saying we should align our hearts with these kinds of priorities. And then he says, forgive our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who's indebted to us. When you read some of the statements of Jesus, you get kind of startling statements that make it sound like uh, it's conditional, that if we don't forgive, we will be unforgiven, you know, kind of an if-then type statement. When you read the rest of the New Testament, I think it's pretty clear, then you can kind of look back into what Jesus is saying, and you can understand that what Jesus is saying is the only way you'll ever be able to forgive other people is if you know that God has forgiven you. So if you have a hard time forgiving other people, chances are you struggle to really recognize how sinful you are or I am, right? When when I'm looking out and all I can think about is judgment towards other people, that means I haven't really dealt with the judgment that I deserve in my own broken heart, my own selfishness, my own sin, my own rebellion against God. But when I've dealt with that internally, that frees me up to be able to forgive other people. And I don't, I don't mean that that makes it magical. Like if you know the gospel, then everything's easy. But, but you won't be able to forgive other people unless you know the forgiveness that God has for you in Jesus. I believe that's where Jesus is going here, again, with this prayer. And it's not just a thing to think, but it's something that we pray. And then he says, and lead us not into temptation. Again, we ask God for what we want, and that's okay. I'm not taking us to this kind of out there health and wealth gospel that says, ask God for a Cadillac and he's got to give it to you. I'm saying, it's okay to say, God, please keep me from suffering and temptation. Please help me. I'm sick. Can you help me? You know, it's okay to ask God for those things. Sometimes God's answer is my power is perfected in your weakness and my strength will be revealed as as you struggle. Sometimes that's his answer, but it's okay to ask him when we're struggling. Again, we need to not be so super spiritual that we kind of ping from, well, health and wealth gospel is this extreme, so let's run over to this side to the poverty gospel and say, I should just suffer all the time. It's okay to say, God, I don't want to suffer anymore, but if that's your will, I'll deal with it. And the model for that is Jesus' prayer in the garden, where Jesus says, if this cup of suffering can be taken, take it, yet not my will, but your will be done. So Jesus models that even for us as a human praying to God the Father. We believe God is, uh, Jesus is God, we believe in the Trinity, but we also believe he's a model for us that shows us what it's like to, to be a human living in a dependence upon his heavenly Father. And he says, God, I don't, I don't want to go through the suffering. But if that's what you want, Father, then I'll go there. I trust you. And so we have a great freedom in prayer to come to God and say, God, this is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I'm worried about. This is what I'm stressed about. This is what I have anxiety about. Can you help me? And then we're handing it to him. And we trust him as a good father to deal properly with what we need. So um, the first thing I want to say is, I've asked you to memorize some of these prayers. I've, I've told you that written prayers are cool and a helpful tool, helpful training wheels for us in our faith. Another way to say that would be even when we sing songs, uh, we're, we're praying someone else's written prayer. That's what a, a song of praise or a hymn is. It's someone else taking scripture and rewriting it poetically and setting it to music, and we're then praying it as we sing it, Right? So we already believe in written prayers. It's, it's, it helps us to talk to God, to communicate with God. 
but don't let that keep you from talking casually to God. So I was saying, 2016, I want you praying. That's what I'm. That's my prayer that we'd be a praying people. So memorize the Lord's prayer. You know, read some books about prayer. Pray some written prayers. Pray some uh, some of your own spontaneous prayers. But the idea is to pray, right? And don't veer off one side of that or the other and think, well, this feels weird, so I just won't pray. Or this other kind of thing feels weird, so I just won't pray. Talk, talk to God. Pray in 2016. Um, there's this great quote from Tim Chester in one of these books that's up here. It's called You Can Pray. It talks about how we often have intimidating images about prayer. And I'm sure that all of you kind of have different baggage and different background, whether you come from a religious or a non-religious upbringing, you kind of have preconceived notions of what prayer is. It might keep you from thinking you can pray or want to pray. Chester says, when we have these intimidating images in our head, we need to be reminded that Jesus says prayer is just like a child asking her father for help. It's as simple as that. Just a child asking her father for help. So don't don't overthink it. Pray. Pray. The next thing I want us to see is that we should pray persistently. He gives us this little parable here, this little story in verses 5 through 10. He says it this way. He said to them, which of you as a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey. I have nothing to set before him. He'll answer from within, don't bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, So he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. That word impudence could also be a shamelessness, or it could be persistence, kind of a not giving up. It's kind of like doing something embarrassing or socially strange, right? It's It's this interesting word that gives us this image that he explains further as he goes on. Arise and give him whatever he needs. Verse 9, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. So again, he's not going to the extreme of saying every single thing you ever ask for in prayer, God will kind of mechanically give you exactly that thing. We're we're still trusting that he's God, and he's in charge, and he knows what's best for us. So he might say yes, he might say no, he might say later, he might change that and say, well, I'll give you something like that, but this is better for you. Um, But we are to ask. And just a way I've been thinking about it this week is that our, our church, we've talked about how we set aside 10% for global outreach. And we're just kind of big enough where people know, and there's enough money that we have a lot of people that come asking for it now. And so we tell people no a lot more than, than we used to, which is kind of weird. Um, but in that process, I've kind of started to realize, oh, the people that don't ever ask don't get anything, right? Like there's all these missionaries out there. There's all these people raising support. The people that ask, and the people that ask a lot, get, get more than the others. So it's just kind of like a simple fact of reality. It's just simple logic. Jesus is saying ask. So he uses this word impudence. Like I said, the word in the Greek could be translated um, shamelessness. Some commentators even debate if it's the shamelessness and the impudence of the guy that's getting up to give the bread versus the guy that's asking for it. Um, I, I tend to lean towards it's the guy asking for it because the other explanation and the kind of repeated persistence that he's talking about here, keep asking, keep seeking. Either way, Jesus is doing this interesting thing that he does in other parables where he gives us what we might think of as a immoral example to show us how we should relate to God, which is really kind of interesting. There's several 
several ones where Jesus does this. So he's not saying, this story tells you everything you need to know about life and how to live, right? Like, wake people up in the middle of the night and be obnoxious. That's, you know, that's not really what he's saying, but I think what he's trying to help us to understand is there's a, a feeling we get when we approach God that we're, we're not okay. And I would say, at one level, if you have that feeling, that's a right feeling because you're not okay. The Bible calls that sin. We're not okay, but, but God took care of that problem. God, God bridged the gap, so we don't have to make ourselves okay. God made us okay through Jesus. So then we can be free to approach him with what would seem like on the surface to be impudence, socially inappropriate behavior. You, you can't bother God. Don't go banging on God's door. He's God, right? You need to leave him alone. Jesus is saying, we, no, we need, to, we need to go bang on God's door in the middle of the night. And so my question for you, and this is a question I've had, I've really wrestled with this. There's things I know, I'll just make this personal. There's things I know that I, I stop praying for because it just hurts too much. I just don't want to think about it. It's easier to not think about it. I'll ever do that. It's like, I don't, I just can't go there. You know, like, I don't really want to cry anymore about that. I don't really want to think anymore about that. So I'm just not even going to pray about that. And I would say Jesus is pushing us to, to be impudent, to be shameless, to be persistent and our prayer to keep banging on the door. Another, um, another more lighthearted example of this is that I used to be a telemarketer. So I know, don't boo me off. I'm sorry. Uh, for two years, I did that. I was newly married. The only way I could figure out to pay the light bill was a telemarketer. So don't hate me for it. But it taught me some good things about being impudent, shameless, and persistent, right? I learned some hard lessons. And I think about that, like, I don't want to be that annoying God. And Jesus invites us to be that annoying guy with God. Like, yeah, bang, bang on his door. Keep banging on his door. I have a picture here, someone knocking. Uh, I use this too, because this is another culturally inappropriate concept, right? Because we don't knock on each other's doors anymore. Have you ever noticed that? Like, when I was a kid, I'm, I'm about to turn 43. When I was a kid, we knocked on each other's doors, and we would like, go sell cookies and go bang on the door for whatever, you know, random things. We'd bother our neighbors all the time. We just never do that anymore as a culture. Like we just never approach each other's homes. Uh, have you noticed that? I mean, some of you may. You might live in one of those friendly neighborhoods, the last few friendly neighborhoods that are left. But, but most of us, we just don't, we don't go bother each other. And Jesus is saying, go bother God. Go bang on his door. Go knock on his door. Keep asking him. Be persistent. So, so what is the thing that, that you're struggling to be persistent with God about? Like, what are you having a hard time asking him about? And what I would be saying is the application is, go, go back, go bang on the door again. Keep asking him. Keep talking to him. And I'm not saying he's going to say, oh, yes, absolutely. I didn't hear you the first time. But I'm, what I'm saying, though, is that he wants you to bring that stuff to him. Whatever that is, whatever that difficulty is that you're, I don't want to talk about this, or I'm afraid he won't say yes, so I just don't want to ask. Man, just this is another one. I'm, I'm getting all personal here. Another one the other day, God answered a prayer positively that I, I just literally did not want to pray for because I thought he would say no. So I just didn't want to pray for it. Have you ever done that? Am I the only one that's like this sinful when it comes to prayer? Um, I'd say bang, bang on the door. Ask him. Ask him. Ask him the stuff you're embarrassed about. Be shameless with your prayers. Be persistent in your prayers. Uh, we have to pray. One of the themes... And Keller's book, and Tim Keller's book, is that we have to. Like, we can't survive without it. His wife really helped him to get to this point. Um, so he's a pastor in New York City, and so they, they went through 9-11 in a way 
uh, more strongly, right, than we felt it here because they were right in the middle of it. So that was kind of a shocking, turmoil-filled time in the history of their church. And in the year or two right after that, his wife was struggling with Crohn's disease, which is terrible. I've had family members that struggle with that. Um, And then he got cancer. Um, And so they're struggling, and they're just kind of getting hit in the face again and again with all these different issues. And she said this to him. uh, She said, if we don't pray together to God, we're not going to make it because of all we're facing. I'm certainly not. This was Kathy's appeal to Tim. Tim, please, just pray with me. We just need to pray every night. She used the illustration. She was like, what if it was like chemo, right? What if the doctor told us you have to take this pill every night? You know, he was getting thyroid cancer. You have to take this pill every night or you're going to die. She's like, you do it. She's like, that's how I'm feeling about prayer. I feel like we have to do this. And that kind of became a thread for him. They, they began doing that, became a practice. They committed themselves and have, have done that ever since. Even when they're separated, they'll pray on the phone. And, and what he realized was, yeah, we have to do, like, we have to, do this to survive. We're going to go nuts. We're not going to survive. We, we have to do this. And I would, I would encourage you to begin to see prayer in that way, to be persistent, to keep banging on the door, to keep talking to God. We, we need to, for our own sanity, to pray so what's the thing you've given up on? Keep praying for that. And then the other way I would say this, and then we'll move on, is earlier in the Lord's Prayer, he said, uh, may your kingdom come. And the other version of the Lord's Prayer, it says, and your will be done, right? And so that's what we're praying for. And then when we look out at the world, we see a world that is far from God's kingdom and God's will. And how, what do you do with that emotionally, right? Do you just yell at the TV and throw things at it? Or, you know, do you get really angry? Or do you post rude things on Facebook? What, what do you do with it? Jesus would say you pray, persistently pray. You keep not seeing God's justice and peace on earth. And instead of just going numb, or instead of just railing at the world, we should pray. So again, this is an area where we should be persistent to pray for the heartache that we feel when we see pain and brokenness in the world around us. We should Again, we should pray. We spent a year in the Psalms together a couple of years ago as a church, and one of the things that just rattled me again and again in the Psalms is how we bring all of our emotional junk to God in prayer. That's the model that David and the other psalmists give us in the Psalms. You just bring all of it. Here it is. And there's often a happy ending by the end of the Psalm, but it's, it doesn't start out happy. And it's just bringing our stuff to God in prayer. So that, that's where I'd like us to go as a praying people. That's my prayer for us, that we'd pray persistently and shamelessly. The final thing that he tells us is that we can pray with his help. So he gives us this beautiful picture of God as a generous father. And he says, this is the picture that should grab hold of your mind, that God is generous. And I know for some of you, you struggle with this concept of God as general as a generous father because you haven't known your own father in that way. And I would say part of how we know that our earthly father was off or was missing or there was a hole there or there was something wrong there is because God's made us in his image and so we, we know what a father should be. God is that father that should be and so that kind of is the father that judges the rest of us as, as incomplete. So let's look at the text 11 through 13. He says, what father among you if his son asks for a fish will instead of a fish give him a serpent or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? As an earthly father, I 
I, I wish that he had said, even though you earthly fathers, you're not that bad, 90% good, uh, but he says we're evil, right? He's kind of brutal. He just says we're evil. We're just evil. He says, you're just plain evil, and you still do a lot of nice stuff for your kids. You're still generally generous towards your kids. How much more is God the Father, the perfect Father, the real Father, generous and kind, and he knows how to give good gifts? And Jesus is saying that that's our motivation for prayer. That should make us want to talk to him, right? You may not be sure about your earthly father. You may not be sure about your friend. You may not be sure about your spouse, but he's saying, no, God is, he's there for you. He's not going to let you down. He loves you. He wants to hear what you have to say. He wants you to bring all your junk and bring it and lay it out on the table and talk to him about it. So we should see God as having this gracious disposition, being someone that loves to give good gifts. I have a picture here of a kid opening a present for Christmas. I liked this uh, picture because I'm a an evil earthly father, right? So I'm cheap. I like the idea of giving a, a little $2 dinosaur and my kid being really happy, right? Um, God's not that cheap. God, God loves to give good gifts. It's not, he's not thinking about economics. He loves, he loves to see the smile on our face. He loves to see the delight in our heart. We see this most clearly in the gospel, and that's kind of where this book, Luke, is going. The end of the book is, is heading to the climax of Jesus dying and rising again for us. And the picture there is that even though God is inapproachable or unapproachable because of his absolute perfection and holiness, that God has closed the gap towards us in Christ. And so God has laid our sins on Jesus on the cross, and he's given us Jesus' righteousness. So then when God sees us, he delights in us. He loves you as his child. He's pleased with you, not because you've prayed the right words, but because of Jesus. He's pleased with you, not because you've done everything right in your life, but because of Jesus, what Jesus has done for you. So that image of God having a fatherly, kind, gracious disposition for us, that should then guide us to pray, understanding that God will help us, even when we feel like we can't pray. What's really fascinating here is he's talking about gifts. And again, the, the pattern of the Lord's Prayer is Jesus is saying, ask for bread, right? Ask for God's help. Pray for these things that you need. Ask that God would lead you out of temptation, right? Ask for these kind of earthly, me-centered things. That's okay to pray that way. It's okay to pray selfish prayers in that sense. But then he moves on and he says, it doesn't just stop with those gifts. He says, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So we ask for the gifts, and it's okay to ask for the gifts, but really we have to say, I want these gifts, but you know what, God, I know I really need you. You're the ultimate gift. I want you. I need you. You're the only thing that will really satisfy, and that's where Jesus is is bringing our prayer, and he says, God will give you the Holy Spirit. God will give you himself in his own person. That's the richness of what we have when we're going to God in prayer. So we have this Father, who approaches us in love, right? We sing this song, he has grace for us. He's chased after us. Humanity is running the other way and God has this predestining, chasing, pursuing love where he grabs hold of us. And then Jesus, the son, executes that for us. He's the one that makes it all possible in the sense of he's the one that actually purchases us. And then the spirit is where we sense that, we feel that, we experience that as the spirit comes in and lives in our life and makes that real. In our hearts, we often call that union with Christ. It's this idea that the Spirit indwells us. Paul talks in Romans about how the Spirit 
causes our heart to, to cry out, Abba, Father. We can't, we can't even subjectively see God as Father apart from the Spirit helping us to see him that way so that we can pray and talk to him. And Paul goes further in Romans 8. I know Stephen did a great job preaching last week in Romans 8, and there's that verse in Romans 8 that says, we don't even know how to pray, but the Spirit intercedes for us. We don't even know the words to say. So again, don't get caught up reading these books or praying written prayers thinking, oh, if I just have the right words, then everything will be okay. No, know that it's the Spirit, and it's what God has done for us that makes it okay. So we have this freedom to just talk to Him. And sometimes it's not even talking, it's just babbling incoherently, right? It's just crying to him or sobbing to him or groaning to him. And Paul says in Romans 8, 26, the Spirit will clean that up for you, right? The Spirit's going to make that make sense, and the Spirit will intercede for us with groanings that words cannot express. I want to wrap up again, just going back to finishing place, just thinking about Jesus' prayer. Jesus gives us a model prayer in the garden. Because Jesus prayed what he prayed in the garden, we can pray. Because Jesus in the garden said, if there's any other way, let this cup, the suffering be taken from me. Let this pass from me, Father. Yet not my will, but your will be done. So Jesus both was completely honest with his desires as a human, his Father God. He also submitted himself to God's will and went to the cross for us, took our sin upon himself and gives us his righteousness. So because Jesus prayed that prayer, we can pray that same kind of prayer. We can come to God and be honest with our stuff. Like, God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how I'm going to survive this. Uh, I'm trying to spin plates. The plates are falling. God, will you help me? We can pray that to him. And we can also then walk away. We've left it in his hands. But I trust you. Whatever you say, Papa. Whatever you say. Daddy, I trust you. You're good. Let me pray for us, and then we'll respond in communion. God, we thank you that you are good, that we can approach you as a gracious heavenly Father because of your kindness to us in Jesus, and I pray that your Spirit would make that real in our hearts. God, we cry out to to sense this on a daily and regular basis, things that we feel like we only get little glimpses into, the sweetness of of your delight in us, your kindness to us. We pray that you continue to help us to understand and that we would be a praying people that respond to you in trust and in faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.